What is going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am your host, Josh Prepigina, back again for finally, once again, a week full of MMA. Um, yeah, it was really good to have last week kind of off. You know, we got to enjoy the holidays with family in Florida, which we haven't seen in a while. Um, and I ended up recording pretty, pretty early. I think I recorded on Tuesday uh, just to put something out, you know, talk about the event that happened, which wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, do the holiday thing, say what I'm thankful for. And uh, yeah, it was nice, but it's nice to be back to talk MMA. Uh, but before we get into the news, thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time, if you've been here before, I appreciate each and every one of you. I do this because I love it. I love MMA. This is my little safe haven where I like to say, you know, it keeps my mental health in check. Coming here every Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the week, and recording and talking about MMA. Um, so, there are no strings attached to this podcast. All I ask is that you listen. Uh, no ads. I'm not trying to sh- sh- uh, sell you a nut trimmer um, or, you know, blue chew or some other ridiculous thing that you probably don't need. Um, because the only thing that interests me is talking about MMA. So let's do that. Let's get right into the news. So we start off this week with um, a news item from, I believe, early last week, actually, that I decided to skip over and talk about this week. Um, And that is that Kevin Holland is finally taking his talents to welterweight in 2022. This was in his words that he's taken his talents to welterweight. He announced it with a sponsored ad on his Instagram uh, for Icon Meals saying that he's meal prepping because it's finally that time to go down to welterweight. And and uh, looking at this news, you know, the article on MMA fighting said 13 UFC fight vet, which is so crazy to think about. That since 2018, if you count the contender series, actually, Kevin Holland has fought in the UFC 14 times. That is insane. Um, Obviously, Kevin Holland has made his name on, you know, short notice fights. And really, you know, he made his name on talking. They call him Big Mouth. Um, but he is incredibly skilled. Unfortunately for him, you know, he has hit a rough patch in his career. He's two and zero, or zero and two in his last three. Uh, you could say zero and three because I think that Kyle Dawkins should have got the victory. It's not his fault that the ref made the wrong call, and we did see Kevin Holland tap, but um. You know, nothing to sneeze about. He loses to contenders like Derek Brunson and former title challenger Marvin Vittori. And, um, yeah, Kyle Dawkins kind of gets the big fat hose job, as <laughs> as Mike Heck likes to say, because now that Kevin Holland 
isn't going to fight at 185, Kev, uh, Kyle Dawkins has a tougher road to a ranked opponent once again. So good on Kevin Holland, though. I'm excited to see him at 170. I wonder what the UFC does. Is the UFC going to give him, you know, a ranked opponent right away? Is that something that the UFC is willing to do? Or are they just going to, you know, feed him? You know, we've like I said, we've seen Kevin Holland 14 times since 2018 in the UFC. And I think that the UFC should, you know, throw him right into the deep end. We have to know if he's serious. I like the idea of Kevin Holland making his welterweight debut against someone like Li Jingliang. Why not? I don't see why not. I think that that's a great fight. Um, and I think that he deserves a ranked opponent. Um, so Li Jingliang, I think it should be it. He did just lose to Hamzat Shemaev. And, um, you know, there's there's room there. There's room for Kevin Holland to really make a statement on this division. You know, you look at the rankings, and I can see – you know, four, three or four names that possibly could retire in the next few years. Kevin Holland is 29. He's about to hit his athletic prime. And uh, good on him for making the call. Smart, smart career decision for Kevin Holland to finally move down to 170. Someone who fought at 170 um, as well as 155 is Kevin Lee. And if you've been a follower of this podcast from you know from its inception I've always had this like love hate relationship with Kevin Lee and hate is a strong word but like I just you know it it's hard to be a Kevin Lee fan and I don't I don't consider myself a Kevin Lee fan because I think that his confidence is so phony, like <laughs> incredibly phony. I just never saw what he felt. I never thought that he was who he thought he was, as they say. Um, you know, the best thing about Kevin Lee is his nickname. The Motown Phenom is a phenomenal nickname. But in his last, I believe, seven, he is two and five, right? Two and five. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, he had the win in the middle there against Gregor Gillespie. He finished Edson Barbosa in the fifth. But, like, losses to Ally Quinta, who we just saw get starched, Tony Ferguson for the... Um, interim title back in 2017. He loses to Rafael Dos Anjos by submission, Charles Oliveira by submission, and then someone who I can't believe I'm still on this. It, this still blows my mind. He called Daniel Rodriguez a bum and loses to him. Remember, Daniel Rodriguez took that fight on like two weeks' notice, I believe it was, um, and goes in and wins a unanimous decision. Like, for Kevin Lee to say he was surprised is 
beyond me. Um, I do think that, you know, Kevin Lee is going to make a lot of money elsewhere. Unfortunately for that promotion, it's solely on name value and hoping that his name attracts attention, which I don't know how much attraction his name really is going to, you know, bring. He says he's going to fight at 170. Um, you know, I would like to see Kevin Lee in bare knuckle because uh, we know their pockets are deep. And I think a great fight would be Kevin Lee versus Platinum Mike Perry. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure what he's going to do. He He's like, oh, I got three off. You know how he is. His his confidence is through the roof. He already has three offers from three different promotions. And he's, you know, his subset, his suspension is up in February. And he thinks he's not going to say anything till then. It's just, I don't get it. I don't understand the appeal. I don't, I don't think that he warrants all this attention. But it is news, so we have to cover it. Best of luck to Kevin Lee. Uh, I think that he did have some good advice for young fighters uh, where he said, listen, Cherry, pick your fights. Uh, we see it's working with Sean O'Malley. So I think that uh, Sean O'Malley is prime example of that, actually. And we heard it with Patty Pimblett, too. That it's like, listen, I'm not going to fight these contenders unless I'm getting paid big money. And, uh, yeah, he's he's right. They should take their career serious and build up accordingly. Unfortunately for Kevin Lee, he uh, he was very, you know, he, he got into it pretty quickly. You know, Ally Quinta right off the back. And then nobody, nobody, nobody until... Jake Matthews, I guess you could say that's somebody. Uh, Francesco Trinaldo, that's that's an old head. And Michael Chiesa, which is still a weird fight from 2017. And then he got that title shot, which he probably did not deserve at that time. But that's Kevin Lee. I'm sure we'll be talking about him in a month or two, uh, where he signed. Um, there's a lot of places... I don't think he fits in very well in the PFL. I think he'd get starched pretty easily. Um, I think bare knuckle or, you know, you can you can try and fight in Bellator, but it doesn't get any easier there. You know what I mean? You got uh, some killers in that welterweight division. And unfortunately for him, he'd have to fight someone like Michael Venom Page, who is a terrible matchup for Kevin Lee. You know, long, lanky at 170, he does not stand a chance. So, uh, good luck to Kevin Lee. That's what we'll leave it at. Uh, Felicia Spencer, someone who I did not expect to talk about today, but today it was announced that Felicia Spencer has retired from the sport of mitts martial arts on a win. Congratulations to her. She was a formal a former title challenger. Um, you know, it was just tough, tough road for Felicia Spencer because she came into the UFC as like, we'll call it like fill in for, for a division, you know, and the UFC had no intent on building that division. And unfortunately for Felicia Spencer, she got thrown into a fight with Amanda Nunes, probably, 
five or six fights way too early. Um, it's unfortunate that she wasn't able to to do more in the UFC, but I hope that she has a plan. You know, I hope that she has her plan, her next plan mapped out because, you know, she's she's obviously a great wrestler. I believe that her husband was her coach. Um, so I fully believe that she'll just have a gym and then she'll stay in the sport just like that. Um, you know, she's 30 years old. She got her break pretty late. But with her personality and, you know, where she lives too, you know, she is a Canadian. So I think that she has a ton of um, a ton of potential inside the sport still without having to fight. So congratulations, Felicia Spencer. Enjoy your retirement. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for what you were able to do. I don't know. It's unfortunately, you know, it's not like some big name, but I do think that it's still important to highlight her because she did have, a run at the title. Like I said, it was it was a bad one, but still she did have a run at the title. So, before we get into this week's event, my last news item is the ESPN's top 25 under 25 list. It comes out every every year for the last few years. Um and then let's just go over real quick. Last year, Jimmy Crute, who's fighting this weekend, was actually number one. Uh, he turned 25 in March, so he's no longer eligible for the list. But let's just go over the top 10 because I think it's a really interesting list. Uh, I agree with a ton of it. I don't know if I agree with number one, but <laughs> let's start off with number 10. Corey McKenna. Uh, Dana White Contender Series uh, contract winner from last season. She's 22 years old, <laughs> and she made her UFC debut at the age of 21. She's fighting out of Team Alpha Male, and I believe she's had one win in the UFC. Uh, she beat Kay Hansen, um, who had a great interview uh, last week on Mike Heck's show, phenomenal interview. That lady has lived a hell of a life, and she's extremely young. But, uh, yeah, Corey McKenna, number 10. Number 9, Jeff Molina, 10 and 2, 24 years old. He's fighting out of Kansas City, Glory MMA. And um, he's 2-0 and in the UFC proper. Also at Dana White's Contender Series. Signee from last season uh, with wins over Irioki Lang and Daniel Da Silva, which we just saw. He finished them in the second round. That's Jeff Molina. He's a flyweight. Great prospect. Here's the interest. Here's where it starts to get interesting. Edmund Shabazian, number eight, uh, 11 and three, 24 years old. He was ranked number two last year. And he's fighting out of Glendale Fight Club. Um, he's 0-3 in 
in his last three fights. Uh, and since he got signed on the 2018 season of the Contender Series. So since then, he's had two, four, six, seven fights in the UFC. And like I just said, 0-3 in his last three with two stoppage losses. <laughs> that sounded awful. Two stoppage losses uh, against Derek Brunson and Nasruddin Imavov earlier er, early last month, which was devastating to watch. I do not understand why he's on this list. I understand that he was high ranked because he was able to, you know, climb the ladder pretty quickly. But I don't know if he's still a top talent at this point in the game. Uh, So that's number eight. Number seven, Macy Barber. She's 23. Uh, She was ranked number six last year. Unfortunately for her, I don't know how high the ceiling is at this moment. I think she lost that fight to Miranda Maverick earlier this year, which finally put her back in the winning column. And um, I don't know. She's nine and two. She's extremely young in her career. I do think she's she's very well rounded. She obviously understands the game, especially the promote, you know, the promoting part of the game. Uh, but I hope that she could figure out the wrestling aspect uh, because she definitely needs that. Number six. Miranda Maverick, nine and three. Obviously, she's a women's flyweight. We just talked about her. She's twenty-four. She was number thirteen last year. She's two and one in the UFC, and she's not ranked yet in the UFC rankings. Uh, she lost her last fight to Macy Barber, but before that, she beat Jillian Robertson and Leanna Jojua. Uh, she is scheduled to fight next week against Aaron Blanchfield. Great talent, pretty big for the flyweight division, uh, but obviously a ton of skill. Number five, Usman Nurmagomedov, 14-0, Bellator lightweight. He's 23 at the moment, and last year he was ranked number 18. Obviously, cousin of Khabib. Uh, We've talked this guy up a hill since he debuted in Bellator. He's 3-0 right now, and he is phenomenal you watch this guy and I cannot wait to see he's 23 now I can't wait to see what he looks like at 28 number one his body hasn't filled out yet number two his striking is light years ahead of Khabib and number three he's in Amergamadoff like he has the name value Uh, he's in a great position right now in Bellator I believe he's ranked Inside the top five in the Bellator lightweight division with three fights. This dude is no joke. I believe that we will see him with gold ASAP. <coughs> Number four, Ian Gary. We saw him a few weeks ago. Great talent out of Ireland. 8-0 UFC welterweight. 24 years old. Obviously... He's someone who has a lot of hype behind him. He was able to really push that hype with the stoppage finish in his promotional debut. 
And, you know, I think he said all the right things when he was interviewed. You know, he believes that him and Hamza are the future of the division. I agree. I think that he forgot who Sean Brady is. But, (laughs) you know, Ian Gary's a great name to look forward to. Number three, Casey O'Neill. 8-0, UFC women's flyweight. She's 24. She wasn't on the list last year, but this lady is a freaking problem. Casey O'Neill might be one of my most, um, my most, like the fighter that I'm looking forward to most that's not from the Contender Series. She's had, like I said, three fights in the UFC, all finishes, um, and she's just a phenomenal talent. Unfortunately, she's probably going to send Roxanne Modafferi packing in February, um, but extremely, extremely high on Casey O'Neill. Number two, Ilya Taporia, 11-0 and UFC men's featherweight, 3-0 and in the UFC with wins over Ryan Hall, Damon Jackson, and Yusuf Zalaw. All great names. He's fighting Mavsar Imovev um, on the Nganu card next month. Dude, what he did to Ryan Hall <laughs> should sell you enough on him. He's He is a phenomenal talent. He knows how to finish, and he knows how to get away. If you can get away from Ryan Hall, it's pretty, pretty clear that you know what you're doing. So, Ilya Taporia, who I think, personally, should have been number one. But number two. Then we have number one. Song Yedong. 18-5-1 with one no contest. Uh, he was... He's 24, I believe. 7-1-1 one one in the UFC. He's 1-2-1 or two and one this year with his only loss to Kyler Phillips um, and a shaky loss or shaky win to Casey Kenny. And of course, last month we saw him spark Julio Arce. Um, I don't know if I see him as this grand old talent, but it's exciting. He's a Chinese talent, um, which you don't see very much. And he's training out of teen alpha male, which Obviously, they know what they're doing over there. So, I guess uh, the article says he was on the list last year. Depending on when they publish the list next year, he might have a chance to be on there once again. Song Yedong, uh, we'll probably see him relatively early next year. Uh, But yeah, that's the list. I thought, great top ten. I would change number one to I would switch number one and number two, but uh, yeah, all great talents, all people to watch in the next few years, especially next year. But that's enough of the news. Let's talk about this week's fight cards. So starting off Friday night tonight, as you guys are listening to this, Bellator two seventy two live from the Mohegan Sun Arena in. Uncasville, Connecticut, with the main event, Sergio Pettis versus Kyoji Horiguchi for the undisputed Bellator Bantamweight Championship. Now, Sergio Pettis won this title 
earlier this year when he was able to eke out a unanimous decision over Juan Archuleta and Kyoji Horiguchi we haven't seen in Bellator since 2019 when he defeated Darian Caldwell. He had a two-fight series with Kai Asakura in Japan, and I believe he was dealing with an injury that kept him out this year. Um, He was able to re-sign with Bellator and get that all taken care of, and now he is back to win his title. Um, I love Kyoji Horiguchi. I think the best thing he ever did was go up to 135. Obviously, he's benefited greatly from uh, fighting for Ryzen. He's getting the shots in Bellator, and I'm excited to see him in the U.S. one time, or one more time. It's It's been a while since we've seen him. We know how good he is. Mike Brown says that he's the most talented fighter on his roster, and if you take a look at Mike Brown's roster, that is huge to say. So I cannot wait for this main event. I am sitting in front of the TV at 10 p.m. for that main card. In the co-main event, you have Emmanuel Sanchez versus Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, who else is on this card? Kai Kamaka the third, former UFC fighter, is on this card. Spike Carlisle as well. Uh, and Kyle Crutchmore, which we hear so much about out of AKA. So... Lots of fights on this card. Uh, Unfortunately, J.J. Wilson is off this card. Um, But this main event is worth it alone. Ryzen, Bantamweight champ versus the Bellator Bantamweight champ. Kyoji says he needs his belt back. I completely think that he's going to finish Pettis within three rounds. So we will see. That's Bellator 272 live on Showtime tomorrow night. Or tonight, as you guys are listening to this. Uh, man. Then, we are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. UFC Fight Night, live from the UFC Apex. Phenomenal main event, which we will get into. I got hyped before recording this, watching one of the combatants in the main event. A very big fight from him from a few years back. But let's start off, because this card... You know, not the biggest names, but the talent and the potential on this card is off the charts. So starting off the night is Luis Smoka versus Vince Morales. We have Jared Vandera fighting Azamat Marzukinov. He is a contender series signee from this year, I believe. Claudio Poyez versus Chris Gritzmacher. William Knight versus Alonzo Menafield. Somebody's getting knocked out in that fight. And I have a feeling I know who it is. <laughs> Mallory Martin versus Cheyenne Vlismas. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. The former Cheyenne Bays. Jake Matthews is back. Unfortunately for him, he's facing one of my hometown boys, Jeremiah Wells. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see it. Because Jeremiah Wells, if you remember earlier this year, he starched Worley Alves in his UFC debut in June. So 
I cannot wait to see more of Jeremiah Wells. This is a bigger fight for him, and I'm excited to see it. I think that he could finish Jake Matthews because, honestly, Jeremiah Wells could finish anybody. Brian Bam Bam Barbarina is back. Unfortunately, not against my Mike or Matt Brown uh, because he contracted COVID-19. We wish him the best. He is fighting Darren Weeks, who is an LFA fighter. He's 5-0, and taking the fight on extremely short notice. But uh, I'm always excited to see Brian Barbarina. We have Zil- Zilgas Zumagulov versus Manel Cape. Maki Patolo versus Dusko Todorovic. Mickey Gall is back against Alex Morano. The Action Man, Chris Curtis, is back as well against Brendan Allen. Chris Curtis stepping in on short notice. Clay Guida still doing it against Leandro Santos. Jimmy the Brute Crew. I'll never forget that moment. Somebody saying this card isn't good. Dana White, fresh off the Contender Series. Dana White goes, what do you mean? You never seen Jimmy the Brute Croup? <laughs> Something that will forever stick with me. Against the returning Jamal Hill, someone who is immensely talented. Great hands. Unfortunately for him, he refuses to tap, and he got his arm broken by Paul Craig. Um, Jamal Hill, oh, I can't wait to watch this fight. These two guys are going to fight again after this night on a higher level, possibly for a title. In the co-main event, Rafael Fiziev, that's not how you say it because he's not Brazilian, but I still think it's funny, against Brad Riddell. You know what's so crazy? We talk about how great Brad Riddell's hands are and how hard he hits. Unfortunately for him, he's only fought tough guys who don't go down because he has yet to have a finish in the UFC. 3-0, and no finish. So let's see if he could do it against Fiziev. Uh, I completely agree with Brad Riddell. This fight needs to be happening on a bigger stage later down the line. Unfortunately, nobody wants to fight these two guys. So they're going to have to fight each other. Then in the main event, I am so hyped for this main event. Jose Aldo does not need any explanation. Jose Aldo is a legend. One of the hardest leg kickers in the game. Some of the most sound striking you'll ever see in MMA. He's so serious. You know, everybody lives off that one highlight where Conor McGregor finished him. But Jose Aldo is 30 and 7. He's moved down a weight class. And in my humble opinion, he should be. three and one in this weight class but he's two and two because they gave him the decision against marlon marais he lost to peter yan he defeated marlon vera and he beat the crap out of pedro munoz so that's jose aldo but on the other side we have a guy who (laughs) quietly has been in the ufc since 2014. Um, but he hasn't really got his shot till now. Uh, I think the biggest win of his career was Marlon Marais. Rob Font was number 11. Marlon Marais was number 3. I watched this fight earlier. Marlon Marais 
you know, takes him down, controls him. Rob gets up and finishes him in like 30 seconds. A crazy punch combo where he jabbed him and then threw this uppercut that just stumbled him. He finishes him. He finishes him on the ground with elbows and a hammer fist. And Marlon was out. Uh, then he comes back earlier this year and destroys Cody Garbrandt by unanimous decision. Just a clinic of striking. Rob Font's boxing is phenomenal. If he could stay away from the leg kicks of Jose Aldo, he has a chance 100%. Uh, he has great defense on the ground as well if Jose Aldo wants to go there. But I think the biggest thing is staying away from Jose Aldo's leg kicks. Um, if he could do that, I think that he has a chance of stopping Jose because, man, Rob Font, he hits hard. He strings together these beautiful combos, and he puts it on, guys, man. Look at the picture of Cody Garbrandt's face after that fight. It was devastating. This is the first time Rob Font is fighting more than once in a year since 2018. So I completely think he's going to come in here with all the momentum. I think that he's going to come in here with all the confidence. And I think that he could finish Jose Aldo. But we will wait and see Saturday from the UFC Apex. I cannot wait. This is the first of three straight weeks of incredible cards and main events. I cannot wait. That's how we end the year, nice and strong, starting with this card. But that's it for this week's episode of YBE MMA. I am Josh Prepigina. You can find me on all forms of social media, Elroy Prepson, one word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast, as well as Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA podcast. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Love your mothers. I love you, mom. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.